So what's up, everybody? <coughs> this is the Brokenness to Faith podcast. Mm. Um, I'm here with myself, I, me, M, E, Mark, Edward, Ooh. and I'm here with my boy N T. It's not as clever, but yeah, Noah. <laughs> yeah, no, M E uh, spells me. It's clever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I am the clever one. That's what. That's true. That's true. That's that's what they call me, the clever one. <laughs> so, um, we we going about it today. We're going to be talking about something that was on my mind um, recently. And uh, before we get into it, you can look us up on Instagram. I don't even know why we bother. You, you haven't gone on our Instagram. We haven't posted. You haven't checked it out. So either way, who cares at this point? It is what it is. Um, also, you can email us at brokenness2faith at gmail.com. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, tell us we suck, which we do. Um, every time we record, we know it's terrible. You don't need to tell us, but if you want to email us, just let us know that you're alive, you're well, and you do think our podcast sucks. Um, let us know. So, Please. we're going to be getting into it. We're going to be talking about three things that pertain to, I guess, in a sense, the gospel. And there's going to be a million more things, but there's just three. And each one we're going to go through has a similar <clears throat> phrasing. A similar easy, hard phrasing. You're like, what the heck? You mean, what the heck are you talking about? We're going to get into it. So I want to read my scripture. It's what I based it off of. Um, sure. The scripture that I wrote. You know, wow. the, the one from my book. No, <laughs> from the Bible. Uh, John, uh, I have it on my notes here. John 6, 60 to 63. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? Mm. What then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So, I want to give a quick intro um, here. This is, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said. Well, what was just said? What was going on? Jesus just gave a message in the synagogue in Capernaum. Some of the things of which he said, and we're, I'm not going to read the whole scripture for time's sake, but uh, some of the things of which he said were, For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. He also went on to say, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. And then, if you, if you read into it, um, many, and I put in quotations, disciples, um, people who claim to be disciples, were upset with this. Right. And the first thing about the gospel I want to get into is the gospel is easy to understand, but it's hard to accept. Even mm. in one of the translations, um, it says, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Um, we know that when Jesus is talking about these things, we can comprehend in today's day and age even the the person down the street doesn't believe in God. If you tell them, do you, what do you know about Jesus? Just you know, not even not even a, you know try to get them to say, just hey, just want to know what do you know about God, Jesus, Christianity? Well, if he's real, they would probably say he died on this cross. You know, and and Christians believe he three days later he rose again. They could tell you a basic outline. Right. Even foreigners who aren't from America, because best believe Jesus wasn't born in America. Really. <laughs> 
But oh, different. Man. Sorry, sorry, Joseph and Smith. I've had it wrong. So um, but they would they had people from all over the place. Even young people could give you right. Um, e- even like even a really smart school like Quinta High School or students from a really poor <laughs> school like Palm Desert High School. I mean, both schools they could you take a random kid. Some kid who's like five grades behind in in Palm Desert High School. That's probably like all the students. Wow, they could even tell you something about Jesus and give you the the story of Jesus is easy to understand, but it's hard to accept. You see, many of his quote unquote disciples, not the twelve, but the people who were standing there listening to this, they were upset with him. They could understand what he was saying. But it was hard for them to accept it because that would mean some. That would mean a few things. It, some of the things Jesus said throughout his life would mean you would have to change your lifestyle, right? And that's a hard thing to accept. How many of us, health wise, we? Oh, I love Jesus. I, I serve. I I read my Bible. I pray. I love on others. But we chomp down McDonald's every day. And I, I know it sounds hypocritical because I lit- legitimately got a slice of pizza right next to me. That's but, true. It's- but this <laughs> idea that you know, talking about our body is the temple. Yet we disregard certain things. It's like the gospel and the Bible is pretty clear on a lot of things, and yet it's hard to accept those things. The Greek right. word is, I'm going to botch this. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to spell it out. S-K-L-E-R-O-S. S-K-L-E-R-O-S. So say it in your head, wherever you're at, in your car, amongst your friends. Scleros or something. Scleros. And which means... Not hard to understand, but hard to accept. Wow. I mean, it's literally pretty <laughs> much the point I was coming right. from. It's, and, um, you know, we need to come to the point where this gospel that we have, it's not the message itself. It's like people aren't coming to Christ. Why aren't they coming to Christ? Oh, well, people just don't understand. Jesus died on the cross. No, they they get that. They they can grasp that story. Right. You know my my nieces. Even, you know even though they cheat in, in every game we play, <laughs> um, aside from their uh, cheating ways, um, half kidding, uh, not really. They even at such a young age they understood Jesus right. died. You know on the cross. Now the world might not believe it or accept it, but the story of Jesus and what he did and what he overcame and everything like that. It's easy to understand. That's why I'm against some of these religions that say you have to do this, this, and this to be saved. Right. You have to accept him. Some say you have to be baptized. Some say you have to be baptized in our church specifically. Some say you have to, once you're baptized, you should be then given upon the gift of tongues, which would prove you are saved. And all. And they add all these things. When look, the gospel is not complicated. Gospel is easy. It's supposed to be easy to understand which I believe it is, and the only times it's not is when Christians complicate things, or right. so self-professed Christians and want to be preachers, you know. But it's hard to accept. How many people in church struggling with porn or sex or gambling or or cheating or lying or stealing, and they know Jesus died on the cross. For sin. It, the message of God is easy to accept. They say, yeah, "I believe in God." Or it's easy to understand, like they grasp, but it's hard to accept his teachings because you have to live by that. Right. And no, and a lot of times as Christians, why do we struggle? Because we have a hard time living by the principles Jesus wanted us to live by. Right. Yeah. Um, I have some scriptures I want to read, but I want to, before I get to that, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the gospel specifically and like 
the idea of accepting them and, and kind of I'll, I'll a little bit I'll talk a little bit about how why they're hard, but I think I want to talk about how we get people to accept them. Um, one thing I, I I read that I really like is somebody said that you know the gospel is not just journalism; it's theology. And I think a lot of people stop at journalism, right? They read the Gospels as an account of events, and that's it. They understand it. They, they understand the life of Jesus. They know who he is, what he did, like you said, but they don't accept the theology behind that and what it all means. Um, but I think part of, and, and if we look at a synopsis of the, the Gospel, I think part of it is kind of tailoring the message, in a sense, to, to the audience, right? Like, what I mean is the gospel itself doesn't change, right? The gospel is the gospel, right? I hope the gospel is the gospel. I hope so, too, trouble. right? That, you know, Jesus came, he was son of God, but also man, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again three days later, right? That's the gospel in a nutshell, but we can present it in various ways depending on who we're talking to. For example, uh, Matthew's gospel was written primarily for the Jews, Right? And he focuses a lot on um, that Jesus is the king of the Jews. He, he focuses a lot more on his fulfillment of the law and things like that, right? Which would cater more to a Jewish audience. They would care more about those things, him being the king that was promised, him being all that, right? Then you add Mark, who was written more for Romans, and it focuses a lot more on Jesus as a servant and, and things like that. It would play more into the Roman culture. Then you have um, John's Gospel, which is written for the Greeks, and he focuses more on Jesus being God and, and that relationship there. There's a lot more emphasis on that side of it. And then Luke's Gospel, which was written last and after Jesus' ascension, which was more for the growing church and, and how Jesus is a savior for all people, right, as the church is growing. And the reason I share this is because, um, you know, not only that's why there's variations within the gospels in terms of what they cover and what they don't but the point is is that each of these gospels the reason there's four is because they're written for different groups of people right and it's the same message presented in four different ways and i think this plays into the idea of why is it so hard to accept well if we're approaching every single conversation as believe or you're going to hell that's not going to work of course it's going to be hard to accept right if we're presenting it in such a harsh manner. You know, we have to understand that how we present it matters to how people accept it. So we need right? lights, cameras, smoke <laughs> machines. Matt, we need you. We need you to bring back the smoke machines. But see, even that could be, you know, joking aside, some churches do that as their, in a sense, their gospel preaching. And maybe for someone that catches their attention and they get genuinely saved, but for others, that's not what they want. That's not going to reach them right again it's the same gospel just different methods so that's the first thing i want to say is that you know it's still hard to accept for the reasons you said but as christians evangelizing how we present it does matter to how somebody accepts it and mm -hmm. knowing what to focus on and what to present to them you know might make the difference you know roman roads might work for one person but it might not for somebody else and we have to be able to be prepared to handle whatever that person wants or well, that, that's the situation why, they're in. That's you know? why it comes down to what the Bible says, be ready in season and out. Right. So um, the gospel message is still the same. How we approach someone might be different. Right. You know, if you live, if you're starting a church in a town 
and your idea of the service is like maybe all hymns, and I, I like hymns, I don't mind hymns, but your neighborhood, your church is in, everyone's under the age of 35, and you're going to do hymns with the hymnal books, right. you're going to do some standing, some sitting, some old school, someone comes up, does some scriptural reading, and it's all one song here, some scripture reading, another song here, this and that, and then a 15-minute message, and it's this old-school vibe. Right. People under 35, God can move. It doesn't matter. He can change. But the idea here is you're not, your church is set up in a, in a demographic area that might not yeah. work that well. And if you try to do some hipster, cool church in a retirement community, well, these old people probably aren't going to set foot in your dim right. lights, you know, all the, the, the sound, you know, the, those churches where you walk in and they have the earbuds for you if you want them because the music might be a little loud, you know, like that might not be appealing to them. So I get you have to have, you ha you want to present the gospel in, in a way that would, your community that you're trying to reach would listen to. Right. You know, you have to do some of those things. But at the end of the day, regardless, which I think we should do those things, I was just mentioning, you're mentioning, it says in Romans 1, 19 uh, to 21, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We really, at the end of the day... In America, here, we have no excuse. Everyone's heard of the gospel. Right. Now, whether they want to believe in it or not, whether they... So, I believe in most of it, or I think it's good teachings to live by, but they take out the things that are hard to accept. You know, when when, when Jesus goes a step further, says if you just lust after a woman in, with your what is it, with your eyes or whatever, you're committing adultery in your heart. You know, we would we would, as a world, would say, I believe in God, but we would... If we're single, we'd sleep around, whatever. And if we're married, we would maybe try to stay faithful to our wife or our husband. But when we see someone at the beach or we see something on the computer revealing, we're like, oh, that's no big deal. When Jesus says, actually, that is a big deal. But we don't want we don't want to accept that part. Right. We understand Jesus died on the cross. That's a, that's a that's simple. That's a simple story to grasp. You watch some of these complex movies or read these <laughs> read these books that are very complex. You might not get it. Read a book on quantum physics. Um, mm. Ask me about it. I'll tell you everything. You're a master. <laughs> Not really. But that might be hard to understand. Right. You know, but the gospel, the story of Jesus, that's easy to grasp. But it's it's hard for people to accept it. But like we just read, everyone is without excuse because he's made it plain. Right. He, he's made it obvious for us to be there. And you can say science this or whatever that. But even today, there are more and more creationists, more and more Christian scientists or, or pro-Jesus, I guess to say, scientists that are proving God's existence more and more. They are proving through the stars, through fossils, through through even the flood theory is one thing you can look up to, proving that the earth was only so many thousands of years old. Like, there is so much evidence that it is made clear. And this was written before all these scientists came <laughs> right. about proving that God exists. Right. So... That, to me, was my first thought was, you know, it is. It's easy to understand. I have some scriptures I want to read before we move uh, on. No, but it's hard <laughs> to accept. Right. Go for it. I'll give it to you, I yeah. guess. Just um, one time. Just before we move on, uh, Matthew seven thirteen through 14. 
Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Right? The emphasis is that the, the path that leads to life is hard. It's not easy to accept that path. Also, John 10, 24-25. Therefore the Jews encircled him and began to say to him, How long are you to keep our souls in suspense? If you are Christ... Tell us outspokenly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and yet you do not believe. The works that I am doing in the name of my Father, these bear witness about me. And I love that one because it's like, the Jews are there. It's like, tell us just plainly, are you the Christ? And he's like, yes, I already told you this, but you still don't believe, right? Mm -hmm. Like how more obvious and easy to understand can you get than literally Jesus sitting in front of you in the flesh saying, yeah, it's me. I'm the Christ. You know what I mean? <laughs> On top of all the miracles and everything else leading up to that point, and yet they still didn't believe, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think it's a matter of, no matter how easy to understand it is, it's a matter of humility and saying, you know what? I'm willing to accept that I'm not perfect, or I do need something beyond myself, or, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a matter of humility, and and that's not something that we can do in somebody. It's only something God can do at the end of the day, you know. It is. We have to we have to want it. God doesn't just pick out who's saved and who's not. I don't right. believe that. You have to want it. But when you do want it and you sincerely truly want to believe it, God will will move. Right. The first one we went into was easy to understand, hard to accept. And we're going based off of John chapter 6 and the next one, well first one I'll read again, easy to understand, hard to accept. The second one is the gospel is easy to offend people, and it's hard for people to get over it. Mm. I mean, part of the scripture in, in John 6 we were reading, one of the translations says, is this offensive to you? One of them says, does this offend you? You see, Jesus didn't preach just to his audience. If that was his concern, he would have instantly taken back what he just said about Drink, drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. Right. If, if he was so concerned about what people thought, he would have dumbed it down. He would, if he's Jesus and he's all-knowing and he's the most brilliant man in the world, why didn't he just change the vocabulary of his wording, make it easier for them? You know, but when he saw his audience was offended, he didn't take a step back. Right. He didn't do that like most people do today in the news they say something stupid and then they have to apologize for it even if they were right because they're afraid of of this cancel culture crap you know (laughs) but jesus didn't take it back and not only that he challenged and confronted them the people he was speaking to even more the gospel is can easily offend people and for some people it's hard for them to get over it right it that's just that's just the 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 way it is and it's sad but it's the truth and the gospel, if you're truly preaching the gospel, it's going to offend people. I'm not saying this about every mega church because there's a lot of really good ones out there. But there's a reason some churches have you know, thousands upon thousands of people in their church. Because they preach this dumbed down message where the, right. where the words in the Bible, some of them are taken out and they put in dumbed down versions of it so they can please the people. So they can bring in more people. Now, they might sincerely believe that's how they're going to genuinely reach people for God. Some of them might just be genuinely douchebags. (laughs) And they don't care. And they're in it for the money. Or they're in it for this power grab. The lust of power. You know. know, They they don't want to be in a cult. But they're disguising themselves 
you know, as a Christian ministry when really they are a cult, you know, by the way they're preaching, the way they're leading people astray, can you genuinely be seeking after God and reaching people with smoke machines and, and different color lights and loud music, uh, you know, that fits today's lifestyle of music but with, you know, Christian words in it? Sure, I believe people can have genuine hearts and do that. But there's a reason why there's people who flock, you know, by the thousands to certain churches. Why? Because it's a dumbed-down message. The gospel is easily offensible. And if you took someone's message from some megachurch, like Stephen, uh, what's his name, Stephen Fur, uh, the guy with Elevation Church. He, he has, he's, he, he got in some trouble for, you know, his finances or whatever, uh, Furtick or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, a guy like him, you could take his message, or Chad Veach, or whatever his name is in L.A., you can take one of his messages and translate all his dumbed-down words into the actual words using actual, like, what scripture, like, right. using words like sin, using using words like hell, using things like that, and preach it. And how many of those people would still be sitting in the congregation next week? Take those preachers and have them say, I feel God calling me. Many people have confirmed this in my life that I need to go over and move to this state and do this. How many people in the church would keep going to that church once that person left? Right. Because it's a dumb, because they were preaching a dumbed down message. And the next guy might actually preach what's supposed to be preached. Because the gospel is easy to offend. It offends people easily and it's hard for those people to get over it. Um, one part of, one translation of part of our John 6, he says, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? I like to translate that. Simply put, it is better to get offended now and be hurt and have tough conversations and come to Christ, humble yourselves, than it is to just brush it aside and then be offended at God on Judgment Day when he doesn't let you in. Mm. I mean, it, to some of you it might sound silly, but how many, how many families that had bitter disputes, bitter fights... And it took a super tough conversation that you didn't want to have with that person. But years later, you're looking back, and you guys are laughing now. You guys you guys are a family. And it took some awkward, very deep, not wanting to have type of conversation. But what did you do? You talked it out. You hashed it out. And then eventually, as a family, you became closer. How many new newlywed couples, when they had their first few fights, it's awkward. They don't want to have them. They want to have a happy marriage rest of their life. Right. But when they get through it, and they're open with each other, what happens? They eventually work through it, and what happens? They get closer. And and the ones that can't get through it, they, you know, they end up with a divorce. And if you can't get through this offensive gospel, then you won't get through to heaven. You will end up in hell. Because the gospel is easy to offend people. That's just Because it just is what it is. If the gospel is all fun, if the gospel is just... We get to like hop around in the roses, you know. If the gospel was, you know, just whatever your perfect dream was, there'd be no challenge. There'd be nothing to give up. And it really wouldn't be something that was worth it. Right. Jesus, you know, he died on the cross. He gave up his entire worth, per se. He gave up his life, the most precious thing, per se, as a life. And he gave it up. So to us, we have to treat... Jesus, we have to treat God, we have to treat Christianity as if it is the most valuable thing on this earth in our lives. And that means giving up ungodly relationships. Right. That means giving up a worldly pleasures, some of which might not even be a sin, but if it's become an addiction for you or if it's become something that 
you put before God, you might need to give up these things. There are people who have cut out TV, even though there's nothing wrong with some things on TV. There are people who have given up certain things in their lives because they value God. They value Jesus, the Bible. They value genuine, pure Christianity a whole lot more than some of these things in their life. And there are people who are offended by the gospel because they know they would have to give up a lot of things to truly live for Jesus, and they do not want to give that up. Right. And they can't get over the fact that to be a Christian, you can't you can't be getting drunk, you can't be sleeping around, you can't be power hungry and trying to 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 move up the ladder in in very shady ways, you know, and trying to just build all this money in in a worldly way. They know they have to give a lot of things up, and they don't want to do that because the gospel easily offends people and it's hard for people to get over it mm. i totally agree <laughs> mm. um yeah, but, uh, i i don't think this is anything new right this has clearly been a problem since the time of jesus before i mean getting offended is the natural response to the gospel i think right and you know it's just because it's, it's human nature right we are we tend to be very prideful people, you know, humans in general. Not me, I'm not prideful not you, at all. But most people tend to be very prideful. And, my nieces, and... my nieces are very prideful. <laughs> they don't get it from you, though. No, <laughs> I know you're very prideful. Um, Calm down. <laughs> but you know, it, it's when we're very prideful people by nature, and when we have something like the Gospels that kind of knocks us down a peg, it's not easy to take, and it can make us very offended. Um, there's this quote that I really, really like. Um, just some really, el- really like, really like. It's just some elder at his church, but this is what he says: "I'm convinced that if a hundred Jesuses came, we would kill every single one of them, because the nature of our interaction with Jesus, the visible God, is merely a manifestation of our interaction with the invisible God." Mm. And basically, the idea is like I, I agree. I think that you know, if Jesus were to come back today. I don't think it would be any different than in the gospel. I think 80% of Christians would turn them away. You I think I mean? all Christians would be wrong at least about five things. Right. There'd be that 10 to 15% that realize their mistakes and change, but I think a lot of Christians would they would get offended when met with actual gospel truth in the form of Jesus Christ. They would get offended, and they would push them away. They would turn to our quote-unquote Pharisees of the day to... For shelter, you know, what I mean, it's. I, I I think that the gospel is through and through offensive because it challenges us and forces us to change and look at ourselves in a different way, and it's as simple as that. Not because there's anything wrong in it. There's a difference between something being offensive because it's wrong or hurtful, and something being offensive because it's challenging and you don't want to hear and it. And you don't want to hear it. Yeah, and that, that's a key. Uh, Donald Trump, twenty twenty four. Right. Um, one more quote I want to read from Trip Lee. He's a uh, Christian hip-hop artist. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's Anyways, he's, Mark doesn't like him, but... What is it? That doesn't mean I don't like him. Okay. But no. I don't like him. <laughs> that aside, though, he's a Christian hip-hop artist, and I like this quote because I think it fits fits well into this idea of, you know, what we've talked about, offense and, and uh, making the gospel more acceptable. He says... The gospel itself is already offensive enough. We don't need to add offense to it by being jerks about everything. We don't need to add offense to it by being very condemning and self-righteous. We don't need to add offense to it by being incapable of actually loving and being in relationship with people. 
We really want to show people the compassion of Jesus, even as we say very hard things. And, and that's kind of what I want to close with is, yes, the gospel is going to offend people and be hard for people to accept, but we need to be able to still tell them that in a way that is compassionate and caring and building relationships with them to make it as easy as possible for them to get over it, right? Well, that's why I believe... I'm all for street witnessing. I'm, we would do that at church. I've done that for years. But I believe genuinely the greatest chance of reaching people is your evangelism towards your coworkers, your friends and family that you right. see every day, weekly, and how you act when they're seeing you from afar. Going on the streets and preaching, that's great. And people have gotten saved from that. But you also need to realize if you're doing that with your church once a month or once a week, hey, great. But every day, your true evangelism is to those around you. And your true evangelism, whether you realize it or not, is when you're working and people are watching you from afar, whether you know it or not, and they're studying your habits. Right. And if you're claiming to be a Christian, but they're seeing things in your habits from afar that aren't Christ-like, they're not going to want to hear what you have to say. And it's going to make it more offensive to them, not because the gospel is offensive, because it already is, but because you're abusing this offensive gospel and going against what you're saying about the gospel to try to get me to do something that you're not even doing. Right. And I also got, um, before we get into our last point briefly, I got 1 Corinthians one eighteen, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Mm. You see, to, 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 to people who don't want to believe in the cross, it's just foolishness. They, 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 this is stupid. Blah, 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 we weren't there. You know, or we got artifacts proving against God and this and that. And um, there was, there was, you know, the Big Bang, millions and millions of years ago, all this stuff, and they don't want to believe in it. Well, that's, that, I mean, it's fine, but it's not fine. It's fine. <laughs> We're gonna move on. We're gonna try to reach those who do. But their par- people are perishing every day, and it's the cross is foolish to them. They don't want to have anything to do with the cross because their lives are perishing because they could care less. And it's sad because the gospel, like I said, is easy to offend people. And it's hard to get it over. It's hard to get over it. But lastly, um, the last one we have is it's easy. The gospel is um, is easy on the material, but it's hard on the spiritual. Hmm. You know, the, the material is the Bible, one book, but it's really hard on the spiritual. You know, if you mess up here, there's grace. If you mess up here, ask for forgiveness. But the, the church today seems to be big on the material, whether it be like different cults. You have to go to so many Bible studies a week. Um, you have to do something like Jehovah's Witnesses or you know, Mormons. You have to go door to door for two years on a missions trip. You have to. I was just reading about this story about this lady who left the Church of Mormon. She um, after high school, she went on a missions trip, and they she took like this year long class. They made her take it. And then she got sent to South America for two years to be a missionary from America. And she started, she got a letter from her mom one day um, saying, call me ASAP. And they weren't even really allowed to get letters. They weren't allowed to, they, were, they weren't even allowed to use their cell phone unless it was like a certain period. She said that the only time they could email was on Mother's Day and Christmas. It was crazy, ridiculous, cultish stuff in the Church of Mormon. But her like, you know, uh, regional leader came to her and said, hey, we've been getting all these letters, we've been getting all these things. It seems important, so we will allow you to contact your mom. Like, are you kidding me? We'll allow you. Allow you. And then you know what? The mom, she got a hold of the mom, and the mom said, 
You need to listen to me. I've had this revelation. I've been studying. I've been reading. The the Church of Mormon, it's bad. We need to get out. Our family's gotten out. I know you're there in, in South America, but you need to get out. And she explained right. to her over the phone, step by step, how they made a mistake and how it's a cult. And she said she had to fight tooth and this girl said she had to fight tooth and nail just to get her people, her, her group of people, to let her go. And to eat, and they barely they all they by all, after all the arguing they let her drive they drove her to the airport and just left her there, and she had to figure out you know she didn't really know much she knew just enough Spanish because she had been there about a year and a half two years at this point, so she was able to to find a way she got to like I think it was a U.S. embassy or something, and she was able to eventually find her way home, right. you know, and see there's there's places like the Church of Mormon. Well, they're heavy on the material. They say it's about the spiritual, but really, you only get to the spiritual if you cover all the material. Right. If you do all these things outlined in the material we have for you, then you will be a lot closer to the spiritual, which then we can we can tell you a little bit more about um, as you get older and you're farther along. Church of Scientology, all material. And you know a little bit more about the spiritual side the more tests you take, the more years you're there, the more money you put input, and the more levels you move up. Right. And that's not what the that's not what the church is. The church is saying, "Hey, I might not have anything, but God, you can give me the spiritual. Right. You can give me yourself. You can come into my life. I might be a million dollars short of a millionaire, which honestly I'm pretty close to that <laughs> a lot of times. But you know what, God." I'm going to trust in you because this world, they trust in the material. And there are mega churches out there that invest millions of dollars on the material. I've even heard of local churches and they're doing building projects and it's costing them three, four million dollars. And I'm not saying you can't upgrade your building and things like that. But yet around the corner, the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission at times is hurting for donations. Right. They're at capacity. And yet you're concerned about you know building a bigger church. I'm not knocking like if your sanctuary fits 80 people and you're doing five services to accommodate and you want to close it to two or three so you want to expand your sanctuary. I'm not against some of those things. But it seems to me that there are a lot of religions, including Christian ones, that are, are spending lots of money on the material instead of spending lots of time on the spiritual. Right. Instead of spending time discipling people in the spiritual... You're spending lots of money hiring people to build your material. And it's sickening that it's happening. It, he even went on to say, it is the spirit that gives life. Mm. The flesh profits nothing. Jesus was continually telling us to focus on the spiritual realities of life. Not the fleshy material things of life that will profit you some. No, nothing. <laughs> nothing right. at all. Right. Um I, I want to share this because I, I recently watched a um, a documentary on YouTube about Hajj, the... Um, Doge? Hajj. H-A-J-J. D-O-G-E? No. H-A-G-G. J-J-J. H-A-J-J. Hajj. J-J-H-A? Hajj. Ha, ha. How, how do you say it? Hajj. Hajj? Yes. Okay. Enough. Okay. Good. Um, anyways, basically, what it is is it's the it's the um, pilgrimage that Muslims have to take at least once in their lifetime, right? 
And no, I already did that. Oh, good. I'm just covering all my <laughs> grounds here. Right. Basically, like once once in a lifetime, Muslims have to make this pilgrimage, and I mean, I watched the documentary, and it's crazy how much they have to do on this pilgrimage. And I want to just go through the seven steps because I think it is the pinnacle of like material stuff, right? I'm I, I about it's, it. It's right there. I need the material. So, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Muslims have to make this pilgrimage to Medina in Saudi Arabia once in a lifetime. This is like the capital of Islam. Yeah, right. I was there. It was pretty cool. You have been there? No. And I didn't think no. so. No. Maybe when you went to Israel no. one time. And I, I've never been to Israel. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they even let non-Muslims into the city. So I get a tan, not. grow a beard, hey. <laughs> so it's, I think it's 10 days long is how long the pilgrimage lasts in Medina. So you get there, and everybody has to put on like these white sack cloths or something like that, right? These white robes. Everybody's wearing the white same sack. thing, right? <laughs> and... So the first thing they do is they go to the Kaaba, the big black box in the center of the city, right? Some of you might have seen it. If you haven't looked it up, it's called the Kaaba. And they have to circle it counterclockwise seven times, right? Just to start the pilgrimage, all right? So after they do that, they have to go to this mountain called Mount Arafat, and they have to pray all day long on this mountain. Arafat? Yes. Like there's fat in the air? Yes. Okay. So they have to pray on there all day long. Right after that, they have to stay overnight in this certain part of the city called Muzdalifa. Okay, so after they do that, they have to go to this another location called I don't know what it's called. Um, it's not on here, but there's these three columns that represent the devil, and they have to throw pebbles at it. And they they have to throw like ten pebbles or something at this these pillars. Sounds right? like a game we should do our next harvest festival. Not a bad idea. So now, after they throw the pebbles at the devil, they have to run seven times between two locations, right? And nowadays, uh, the Saudi government has built, like, these enclosed tunnels between these two locations with a bunch of fans and everything like that. And they have to run seven times between these two locations. Well, good for the government for making it easy for them to get to heaven. (laughs) Right. Then they have to go back and throw more stones at the pillars that represent the devil, Okay, and then the final step is they have to go back to the Kaaba and do another seven counter circles around it. And then once all of that is done, the men get their heads shaved to mark that they've completed their pilgrimage in hey, 10 that's, days. That's a lot. That's more <laughs> it's, than it's, ten, seven steps. That's a it's lot. It's crazy. And, and I was watching this documentary, and at the very end, you see all these men with their shaved heads and their white robes, and it's just like, I, I, it was crazy. And I'm like, this is the definition of material religion. Having mm-hmm. to make this pilgrimage, you're required to do it unless you're physically unfit to make the trip. You have to go there to be a complete Muslim, if you will, and do all of these crazy things that are nonsensical and, and make no sense. And then you still have to be a, a good practicing Muslim after that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like It's still not even like the end of it. And it's just crazy. And when you look at the gospel, what's the material? Confess with your tongue and believe in your heart. That's mm-hmm. it. That's period, the material mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And even certain you know Christian I mean? denominations screw that up and say right. you need a whole lot more. But obviously that that one statement carries so much spiritual weight. Yeah. Because you know? what does it mean to confess and believe? How do we do that? How, how do we get to that point? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You look at the thief on the cross. His material was hey, I want to be in paradise with you. Yeah. Right? That was his material. But the spiritual was, who knows what battle he was facing? Who knows what it took to say that? Who knows what was going on in his heart? 
but it was probably a lot to get to that point. Mm -hmm. and, and so I share all this to say that you're right. The material is very easy. There's not a whole lot that we, you know, uh, sacrificially need to do. There's no rituals that we need to do. There's nothing that we have to like, you know, we do communion, but that's voluntary when we want type of thing. It's not like we're not required to do it every day or on certain festivals, right? We don't have Passover. There's no material rituals we need to do, but there's so much spiritual weight to our actions and the position of our heart and what we think and what we do matters so much more. And I think that plays into why it's so hard to accept and why it's so offensive is because people don't want to change their hearts. They don't want to tackle these spiritual issues, right? I think it's easy for people to do some of these material things and it makes them feel like they're doing something productive. It's a lot harder to tackle the spiritual well, and that's why you see some of these, even these, some of these sub-Christian denominations or these non-denominational churches, and how many of them have like discipleship groups, or how many of these right. big churches are actually pouring into them. I mean, there is that sad story of the Hillsong, New York, and the pastor cheated on his wife, and he said he eventually, you know, he needed to step down. I forget the whole story if he, um, if he confessed or he got caught or whatever, but right. but later reports came out. Huge church, you know. And later reports came out that that there was many people who speculated who worked backstage that he would sit in the green room, or you know, mega churches have like a green room. He'd right. sit there <laughs> until it's time to come up. He would preach, then he'd peace out. And I'm okay with like, hey, you've been studying all week. You're just getting looking at your notes one last time before you go up there. Fine, whatever. But they said he was never approachable. People. Never got to talk. And I get it. If you have a church of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people, it's harder to do that. If you have right. a church of 50 people, you can stand, you can walk off the stage and spend 10 minutes talking to people. Fine. Right. But church of 3,000, 2,000, 3,000 people want to talk to you. I get it's a little harder, but yet you're not approachable. You're not making yourself approachable. And it was like they were light on the spiritual. They gave you some cool worship songs. They, they opened the Bible, said a, said a Bible verse or two, talked about some positive living, you know, right. talked about attributes of the world in, in key terms and cool things like that. And then he would walk off the stage. And it's no wonder there wasn't as much accountability. There's no wonder that he fell. And I hope he gets it right. I, from what I heard, their family's going to stick it out and work it out. But when you get when you get less on the spiritual, that's when your heart starts to turn to being heavy on the material. Right. When you When you see those Christians first get saved, they're on fire. They want to read their Bible. They want to do all these things. But the moment they start seeing things around them and, and slipping back into this, you know, this normal, I, I don't want to say normal, but I guess their old normal lifestyle, that's when they start to get more into material. Right. And then the worst part is they believe God enough to where they're not going to leave, but they found this medium where they're trying to keep some of this material while trying to fit that all into this scripture and belief in God they have. And then they get this hybrid thing that's no good on either side. Right. God doesn't want you to be lukewarm. You'd rather you pick one side or the other. But there are too many churches, too many Christians, and too many false religions and cults that, that try to put their spirituality in a mix with material, and then it just blows up in their face. Right. And there's going to be a ton of people, sadly, on Judgment Day that will not be in heaven because they were heavy on the material and they were less on the spiritual. And there are going to be people who, you know, I, I, I feel like they're going to let a lot of people down because, yeah, it's on each person to choose if they want to accept Christ or not. But there are going to be lots of pastors and leaders who led people astray. Why? 
Why do they lead people astray? Because they, they were lightly on the spiritual and people thought they could be a Christian just by attending or doing this and that and their lifestyle had nothing to do with it. Right. <clears throat> when in reality it does. You're going to see so many false prophets. You're going to see some of these um, bogus you know, evangelists who go out there and prophets who, who lay hands on the sick apparently and, and, and they get healed and, and they're saying, if you come to Christ and blah, blah, blah and you know, I saw one guy say, this COVID thing, it's a hoax and blah, blah, blah and this guy was from India and he's doing this U.S. circuit of preaching and He's like, it's a hoax, and they're going against Jesus, and blah, 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 and he's, and he's laying hands on people, and they're falling to the ground, and all this stuff, and people were claiming that, oh, I got healed, or, you know, this person got healed, right. but it's like, I almost want to go up to the guy and say, if if God's really giving you th these hands of healing, which God uses people all the time, but he's really giving you these hands of healing, and he's really giving you these words of knowledge and this gift of prophecy, then why don't you go to the freaking hospitals down the street, <laughs> Where people right. are legitimately dying, and people are realistically more likely to not know Christ, because if you're doing these church circuits and going there, a lot of those people probably already know God. So why don't you go into the hospitals in between those sessions and ask them if they need healing and see what happens then? Or how about you just stay in your little church circuit setting where you do 45 minutes of, of atmosphere, placebo effect worship, and then you preach for a few minutes and you lay hands on people, you go back to preaching, people are on the ground shaking, convulsing, giving people like me that say a bad name. I, I know how to convulse people, you don't. Baloney. But it's like all these people, they, those dudes are going to be held accountable on that day. Like, why don't right. you go to the hospitals, huh? If all this stuff is legitimate and it's not a show, it's not a material-based thing that you built up, if it's really not a show, then go to a place where it's the most ugliest of ugly places to see, a hospital where people are dying, are hurting, they're sick, families are crying, they don't know what to do. Why don't you go wait outside the emergency rooms and the families are coming in with whatever's going on with their ailments, their broken arms, their hurt legs, and you pray over them and you say, you see, we see if you can heal them through God's power or is it only through a placebo effect in some church settings that will give you a certain amount of honorarium and Freaking so many days in a nice hotel, and then you got to pay for their worship team, whoever they bring along with them. It's ridiculous. Are there great televangelists or elva, uh, evangelists out there? Sure. Are there, are there legitimate prophets out there? Sure. But there are going to be many people in the Christian denomination that are going to be very disappointed in that day because they cared more about the material, the signs, the wonders, the coolness of the clothes they wore, the lights, camera, action, worship service, right. and not and, and purposely leaving out certain words in the Bible to not offend people that they will be so light on the spiritual that God's not going to be happy with them on that day. Right. And that's what it is, people. Mm. That's my final thought. Yeah. Uh, I guess my final thoughts are just, uh, I guess, just be wary of the material and, you know, I think all of this just boils down to, you know, kind of the 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 universal answer for a lot of questions is look at the life of Jesus, you know, and how he did things. Yes, there were signs and wonders, but that was usually either following some kind of a spiritual message or led to some kind of a spiritual lesson. Well, and he did right. it everywhere, not just right. He did it in the synagogue. to everybody, not just in front of the crowds for a show or. And he did it everywhere, and you know, when he presented the gospel to people, he challenged them, but he did so in a way that was compassionate and left the door open for them. He didn't just say, "Hey, you're condemned. That's my message. Goodbye." He left the door open to them. He did it with compassion and you know, with relationship first. And 
you know, he he tried to present the gospel in as acceptable as a way as he could while still being true to the message. And so I, I would my closing thoughts would just be, you know, look to the gospel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, the gospel is hard to accept. It's hard, you know, it's offensive. It is heavy on the spiritual. But if we're not actually reading it and looking at it and taking it in for what it is, then it's only going to be harder. That's right. You know? So that's my thoughts. This is the Brokenness of Faith podcast. It's your boy, M-E-N-T. Mm. Um, M-E, that's M-T. Meant. That's meant. Meant. There you and go. You I were, like that. You were meant <laughs> to listen to this, okay? So thank you guys for listening to this Brokenness of Faith podcast. Email us. If you got topics you want us you want us to um, address, Questions, we will do it. Comments. You never do. We just say it because it's a professional <laughs> thing to do in a podcast. So check us out here. Somebody go will. Go here. Do that. Blah, 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 blah. All right, people. Deuces. Later. Oh,